Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services, for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, how is everybody doing today? Today we have Tiffany Bailey with us. She is the CEO of Girls Inc. and she's been the CEO since 2018, but she's also been in the nonprofit arena for over 19 years. She focused on management in the areas of healthcare, social services, outreach, fund development and financial oversight. So she's going to bring a lot of good quality information and value um, on that side of nonprofits, but she's also um, served people in the arts world, those with disabilities, faith-based values, um, health and nutrition, wellness, and underserved families. So I'm really excited to get in to talk to her about that. She is a native of Dayton, Ohio, um, but she moved to Georgia in 2016. So we're glad that she's here. Uh, prior to that, though, she spent 10 years working with Good Neighbor House, a faith-based healthcare and human services organization. Um, she went to Wright State University and got her bachelor and then went to Mass Communication and Central Michigan University for her master's in leadership management. Tiffany's also on the board of Wellstar Kennestone Hospital Regional Health Board, a member of the Metropolitan Civic Women Association of Fundraising Professionals, and is the proud wife of William and mom to their fur baby, Jace. That's an awesome bio. That is a, you've done a lot in this arena of nonprofit. How did you get started? How did you know that you wanted to go into the nonprofit world? Did it start right out of high school or... You know, I came from a family of service, right? So my mom um, is an administrator, uh, was an administrator for 40 years in Dayton Public Schools. My grandparents, uh, my paternal grandparents ran a food pantry out of their church for 25 years. And so I can remember being a little girl. You know, I come from the time when your grandparents were your caregivers, you know, before you went to school. And so I can remember being as young as like four and being in the fields with my grandparents gleaning. And then going back and giving it out through the food pantry. So I would tell you that service and giving is who I was meant to be, right? It started at a young age. Um, my mom worked in Dayton Public Schools. And so these are underserved, a public school system where my parents had grown up in that school system. My sister and I grew up in that school system. But we were blessed. You know, I have wonderful parents who worked hard. Um, mother who was very educated, but what they impressed upon us, right, to, to whom much is given, much is required, right? And it is um, my job, it is my responsibility to support my brother and sister and to give back to my community. So it started early, but even though it started early, I didn't know that I wanted to go into nonprofit. Yeah. And so um, when I graduated from Wright State University, my first job was with the Victoria Theater Association in the Schuster Center. And literally they were opening this huge, you know, performing arts center. And one of the pieces of the center was that it had to be for the entire community. So they created a position called the diversity manager, right? And so my job was to go out and to talk to um, our diverse 
groups within the dating community and know that they let them know that they were welcome in the center, that we wanted them to come. We wanted to bring in entertainment and shows that represented them. And then the other piece that I did was working with the schools and bringing in educational programs for the kids. And so I would tell you that 75% of the kids that we brought into the theater were scholarships. Right. And so we would bring in over 10,000 kids a year to see shows. And so it was just an awesome experience. And so that was how I started the nonprofit. And then it just kind of began to make sense. Right. All that I had been taught in growing up and now getting to, you know, put those pieces into action through my job. It's like, oh, wow, I can do that. Right. You know, like I can (laughs) give back in my job. Right. I can give people and give kids the exposure that I had every day growing up, right? And that's my job. So that was pretty awesome. So that's how I started. And then um, I went into working for Goodwill Easter Seals and working with those with disabilities. And I myself have a disability. Um, So I have a retinal disorder. And so it hit home, it was real personal, right? That I can inspire and I can empower those with disabilities, right? And it's just like, oh, this is cool, right? This is still, you know, my life, my mission, okay. And then I went on to work for Good Neighbor House and Good Neighbor House was running a food pantry. And I'm just like, oh, wow, then they're done that, right? FI with the grandparents. Right. <laughs> um, so to see it come full circle, my grandparents were also the grandparents that they took everyone in, right? Everyone knew that they could come to Reverend Colley and Mrs. Colley's house and eat and, and get whatever they needed. Those were just my grandparents. And so Good Neighbor House was the same type of environment where we provided human services, you know, basic essentials, food clothing, we provided household items, and then we also ran a healthcare center where we provided medical, dental, and eye care for the under and served, underserved, um, and uninsured, right? And so that was just one of those pieces that it was, it was like none other because Dayton is it's, it's a smaller community, yep. but I could easily go into Kroger's on Siebenthaler Avenue, right? and see one of my patients, and they run up to me, right? And the last time I saw them, they had no teeth because we had pulled them, and they run up to me. I'm in line, they're like, Miss Tiffany, Miss Tiffany, look at my teeth. And you're just like, oh, wow. (laughs) You look amazing because you remember the last time that you saw them, they didn't want to smile. They weren't confident, right? But to see them run up to you and give you this big old hug, it's like none other. So for me, I know without a shadow of a doubt, right, that my purpose in life is to serve right? My purpose in life is to give back. It is to make sure that others have the opportunities that I had, right? But that I want them to have more than I had, right? Because I know that I've been blessed, right? And if I can be a blessing to someone else, that's all it's about. And so in coming into um, Atlanta, into Georgia, into Girls Inc., again, full circle, I had amazing women in my life who were great mentors and role models, like my mom and my aunts, but then other women in the community um, who really set the stage for me, who showed me what it was to be a strong woman, what the responsibility was to be a strong woman, what the responsibility was to give back to my community, right? And so to know that I had all that exposure, um, I got to go to Israel for like six months. I got to do so many things as a child. And so then to come and work for a youth development organization, I'm like, they have to have these experiences. Right. And when you look at Girls Inc., the girls that we are serving are underserved girls. So these are young ladies are generally girls of color. I would tell you that in our Marietta Center, 
Mm-hmm. Um, 98% of our girls are African-American. And now we also have this growing, a growing population of Hispanic young ladies that we're beginning to serve um, in Fulton County, um, also in Atlanta. And so we're excited about that, right? Because that's awesome. 75%, 85% of our girls are coming from low income households. Um, 70% of the girls are coming from single parent households, of which mom is primary the head, the, you know, the, the head of the household. And so they don't always get to see great interactions between a man and a woman, right? They may right. see a lot of different uncles running in and out the house, or maybe it's grandfather, right, who's in the house, right? So we have the responsibility to put positive, great men in front of them, but even more responsibility to put amazing women in front of them, but also to expose them to the world. Yeah. And that's what it's about, right? So my career of 19 years has been so much fun, right? Yeah. Because I, every day that I get up, I have truly enjoyed going to work, right? There's not a day that I say, oh gosh, I hate it, right? And there's so many people don't get that feeling. So many people don't get to say that, right? But I get to go to work every day and play with like 70 girls yeah. <laughs> who keep me on my toes, right? And just when <laughs> yeah. I think I'm here to hit a wall, they're like, hey, Miss Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to give you the biggest hug and the biggest smile. Right. Knowing that some of them are going home to homeless shelters. Yeah. Right. It's just like, but they still have a smile on their face. Right. And, yeah. and the worst thing I did was have someone come in my office with, you know, a silly problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. Right. So I love what I do and I'm blessed to be able to do it. Yeah, definitely. So you went from stocking the food shelf and, and yep. doing that all the way to a CEO of a nonprofit. I did. How and when did you know that you wanted to do, go from being the volunteer all the way up to somebody who's running the entire, the tire show? How did you get there and how did you know that you wanted to do that? You know what? (laughs) When I actually started doing the food piece from the little girl that was doing the food piece, by the time I got to get neighbor house, I came in as like the development manager. Um, but what really what it was, was that I have a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for learning, right? So I'm really curious about stuff. So I'm just like, okay, so what do you do? Okay, huh. And so people, when you start asking questions, right, people start to answer your questions and they see your interest in it. And it's like, hey, you want to try this? Well, hey, okay, why don't you do this? And it was the more I asked questions, the more I became involved, the more responsibilities that people began to give me that were in higher leadership roles. Um, and so people just kept giving it to me and I just kept doing it. Right. And I didn't do it how other people did it, but you know, I'm really about research. You know, what are the best practices around and who else is doing it? Let's not reinvent the wheel. Somebody else has this manual. Can I just steal it? Right. Or, or lovingly borrow it. Right. Yeah. So it was in that thirst of wanting just to know, right. Cause I'm just curious. I'm just a, a curious person by nature. And people are like, oh, you're curious? Oh, well, let me show you. Better yet, let me do, let me, let me have you do it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. But they just didn't give it to and toss it to me. They walked me through it, right? I had the best board chair. His name is Frank Perez. Frank is amazing, right? To this day, I would tell you that from a career perspective, he left, you know, the brand on me. Because Frank was one of those persons where he would, he could perceive what you needed before you knew you needed it, right? And he set you up to win. 
you just had to follow the roadmap, right? And so he allowed me to sit at the tables. Frank was the president and CEO of a major health network system, Kettering Health Network in Dayton, Ohio. I mean, he created, you know, when it was just a hospital, he created and made it this big network, you know, of multiple hospitals, of multiple care units, right? And Frank would walk the hospitals, right? Everybody knew him, right? He would just, you know, he's this big CEO and big president, but he would walk the floors. And you would never know he was the CEO and president. He would pop into patients' rooms and just speak, right? And people don't know that they're speaking to the president of the hospital. But he was such a down-to-earth person. And Frank's story was that he, he was born in Cuba and came over to the United States as a young child. And he said it was an organization like Good Neighbor House that gave him his first pair of shoes. And he remembers that. He remembers coming over to the United States and not being able to speak the language. Right. But he worked hard. Um, he had amazing people who opened the door for him. And so what he did for me personally through my career was that he opened doors. He allowed me and gave me a seat at the table, even when I didn't know what table it was, <laughs> what I was supposed to be getting out of this. The conversation was way over my head. Right. But he put me at the table. And I appreciate that because I began to take my cues from him, right? I began to understand and see. And I'm just like, oh, that's why I'm here. Oh, that's what they're doing, right? So it was, again, the exposure that allowed me to get from one point to the next. And so he did that just all throughout the time that I was with. And I only spent three years with Frank, but they were like the most amazing three years. I got to do so much in those three years. Um, and so I, by the time I left Frank, I was the chief operating officer of Good Neighbor House. Um, and that was just like so much fun, right? I, I saw, I, I probably touched every aspect of business, financial oversight, budgeting, auditing, uh, you know, HR, and all of that came from Frank. And what Frank did was that in every area, he surrounded me with the resources that I needed in order to learn it and to own it for myself. Right. And so those are great mentors. Right. When they just don't say, well, go do that. And you're like, well, how? Right. Okay. <laughs> he said, Tiffany, go do it. And I'm, this person is going to help you do it. Right. And he was saying, go do this. And this person is here to help you do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how my career got going. Right. How I moved from doing this little piece to then touching every piece of it and being confident in it and realizing that I didn't have to know it all. Right. But I did have to understand what I didn't know um, and be willing to go find the resources and the people who would be willing to support me in those pieces that I don't know, right? That's why everyone has so many different expertises. As the CEO, I have a job to lead, right? But in leading, I have to understand where I fall short. Right. And so where I fall short, I surround myself with people who know and that I can trust to lead me and give me great information so that I can ultimately make the right decision to lead the organization to the right place. Right. So that, that's the fun piece of it. So, you know, I'm just like, and so my staff, they look at me like I'm crazy every time I talk some new thing. I'm just like, no, you can do it. And I'm gonna show you how. (laughs) Right. Right. So you moved to Georgia in 2016. What brought you down here? What made you leave, um, good neighbor house? Um, if that's not too personal, um, no, not at all. And did you hear about Girls Inc. prior to moving down here? Or how did you get involved with Girls Inc. as well as why did you move down here to Georgia? So I'll be all the way transparent, right? Georgia was not my pick. (laughs) (laughs) It was not, right? So I have a wonderful husband (laughs) who um, worked for AT&T. 
and he we're, we're both born and raised in Ohio and he hates the cold. Um, and so when AT&T gave him the opportunity to say, hey, we've got a great position for you in Georgia, he was like, sign me up. And I was like, sign who up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, come on, let's go. And I, I honestly had never envisioned myself leaving Dayton, Ohio. Right. Yeah. I was born there, was, was raised there, created, had a great career there and was going to live there and die there. <laughs> right. Um, right. And so he was just like, you know, this is just a great opportunity for us. And I was like, uh huh. <laughs> right. It was, a, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Right. And I was like, well, you know, I've always worked. I've, I've always worked. And I was like, you know, I, I want to go down there with a job because it would just drive me crazy to go down there and, and twiddle my thumb. I'm not the housewife. Right. And I, and I, and I really have so much respect for women who are. My grandmother was. Um, that's just not that. That's just not my journey. Right. You, you're going to go start crazy. I get yeah, I'm going to go start crazy, right? So he comes down, his transfer takes place. And like, I'm coming down like every two weeks and I'm actively searching for jobs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so in September of 16, um, I go for an interview with St. Vincent de Paul of Georgia. And they were like, yeah, we love you. We have this position as a director of development. We'd love to have you. And I'm like, okay, this is really happening. Yeah. All right. And I was like, well, I have one piece though. I can't start until January. And they were like, January? I was like, yeah, you know, I've been in my position in Dayton for 10 years and I really do need to help them um, do the transition. Right. Yeah. Cause I even, I even hired my replacement in Dayton. Yeah. <laughs> so there were just some pieces I needed to put in order. Right. And so they were like, okay. And I'm like, okay. They were like, okay. And I'm like, this is really happening. <laughs> Right. So in the meantime, you know, I'm, he's here. I'm going back and forth. I'm getting our house ready and all down in Dayton, getting things settled, getting things packed up, moved here. And so in January, I, I was here and like, yeah. you know, moved here like December 20. I officially was here December 26, 2016 and started like January 2nd, 2017 with St. Vincent de Paul of Georgia. And that was a great experience. And it's such a large organization that has an amazing mission of serving those um, who need the help because they also have food pantry who are saying Mr. DePaul. So Mr. DePaul serves over 125,000 people a year across Georgia. Um, just an amazing organization that has such a, a great reach through the Catholic Church. Um, and so it was probably, I was probably the director of development for maybe five months. And then I became the chief operations officer. And then I became the chief operations officer and deputy executive director. Wow. You know, things kind of happen fast. Yeah. <laughs> but I had been doing all of that in Dayton. So it was just it a naturally. natural fit, right? Yeah. And um, I absolutely loved the mission of St. Vincent de Paul. For me, where I kind of felt a disconnect, right, was that I was used to, again, remember, I could see that gentleman in Kroger's and he would run up to me. He knew me, right? right. Um. And I, I felt like there was a disconnect. When you serve over 125,000 people a year across Georgia, you can't touch all of them. Yeah. Right. And typically, I'm, I'm sitting kind of in a glass tile, tower because I'm doing all of the administrative pieces, right? I'm making sure that business is running, right? right. You know, that finances, that employees are getting paid, that benefits are in place, that, you know, funding's in place. But I really didn't get to get into the programs. And I really missed that. Right. That was a, a real disconnect for me. 
And so I prayed about it, right? Great job, awesome money, but I just wasn't all the way happy. Yeah. Right? And coming from that, that place of service and giving back. So I started to look. I started to look and saw an opportunity with Girls Inc. And they were going through some transition periods too. And so it was probably about a five-month period before the first interview to the, you got the job, right? Um, but it was, a great, it was great, right? Because I was just like, ah, yes, yeah. <laughs> we're back. You know, um, and that was an awesome opportunity to say, again, when I look at my life, I just look at how I see over my life, how God has prepared me for every step, right? You know, just prepared me. Um, and so even it was a great opportunity with St. Vincent de Paul and that opportunity with St. Vincent de Paul prepared me for some pieces that I needed to put in place for Girls Inc. Right. But if I hadn't had that year and a half, almost two years with St. Vincent de Paul in learning Georgia and getting some connections in Georgia, it would have been really even more difficult for me to come into Girls Inc. because of what Girls Inc. needed. Right. Yeah. So we here at Surviving to Thriving are trying to bridge the gap between nonprofits because we don't collaborate mm -hmm. we don't work together mm -hmm. very well you know there are some that yep. do it really well but there a lot of them don't do it really well and so i know that a lot of the people that are going to be listening are going to be people that are members or on the board or volunteers for nonprofits. so one of our burning questions and i'm sure their burning question is how do you find grants fundraising and and money what is your your go-to way to to do that so you know what, I am always out there searching, right? So there's foundation directory, and I have to admit that, you know, so in my, in my, in my earlier professional days, I did all the grant writing. Um, it's a skill that you learn really quickly and you get engaged and you create connections. And so a big piece of it is to be out in the community and searching. So there are some major foundations around Atlanta, right? Um, Every found, every nonprofit has a, a great mission, right? Everyone is doing great work, right? And so, um, but what sets your organization apart? And it's not even so much the work that you do, but it's the relationship that you build. It, it is the connections within the community. It is, okay, so this is the ABC Foundation. Who is the executive director? I need to meet them. They need to meet me. They need to come and see my organization. They need to come and see my girls. It is really the personal relationships, right? My goal that every time we write a grant, and so now it's weird having a grant writer when you're used to doing it. And so yeah. I, I'm trying to take my hands out of it, but I haven't yet really learned how to do that, right? Yeah. So, um, but, you know, my grant writer say, hey, Tiffany, I saw this grant and I'm like, great. Is there a person, right? How do I get to the person? And, and that's always my first question. Can we call them? Um, can I pop up at their office, right? Where, who are they? And sometimes you can't get to them, right? And then it's about the story. If I can't touch them, if I can't reach out to them personally, how do I tell the story in such a compelling way? So I have a great, great writer who tells the story. Um, and sometimes I massage it a little bit because she doesn't always get to see the day-to-day -day of the girls. She doesn't get to get the hugs and the love from the girls. Yeah. So sometimes what I do is take her story and I add a little love to it. Right. And we send that piece out. Right. And so that's how it is. But I think for from a foundation piece, it really is and, and corporations. Right. It is about, OK, here's my board. 
here's the corporation dollars I'm going after. Here's the foundation dollars I'm going after. Who knows someone within this company, right? Who has a relationship, right? Who can put in a good word? Who can invite them into the organization? It is that relationship piece of it, right? I will tell you this. Like when I started with um, Girls Inc., I had a great relationship with an organization that St. Vincent de Paul had worked with, right? And I began to know them very, very well, very, very personally. Um, and they were just, they were Tiffany fans, right? And I'm like, great, right? Not knowing <laughs> that I would need that relationship at Girls Inc. Yeah. And so ultimately when they found out I was going to Girls Inc., they were like, hey, here, you're going to Girls Inc. Give me a call when you get there. And I'm just like, okay, cool, right? Um, give them a call when I get there. And they're just like, I'm going to connect you to someone in another organization who has some funding from Girls Inc. And they can really support Girls Inc. And I'm just like, great, okay, love that. Yeah. Took a year, right? There was great conversation, went back and forth. The first conversation we had was, hey, I think I have $5,000 for you and you can do XYZ program. We'll take it. It's a start. Right. Took a year, right? And so here we are a year later. It ended up turning into a $25,000 contract. Wow. For us to serve girls and to serve girls who were um, sexually abused and or sex trafficked. Right. But it was relationships. Yeah. Right. And, and it wasn't even the relationship there. It was a relationship that led to the next, that she connected to the next relationship. Right. And so I'm all about those conversations. I'm all about being transparent about where we are, where we aren't, what we need, and how you can help us get there. Right. right. Because I feel like a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Yes. And so that's what it is. And so, but the, the partnerships and how we don't always work well as nonprofits together, right? That is so true. And what we do, we hurt ourselves more, right? Yeah. When we don't talk, when we're not honest about what we're going through, because what we find is that there's more than one of us going through it. Right. There's one, there's more than one of us dealing with it, right? Yeah. Right. This funder is just, just, just crazy, right? But how do we tackle this funder together, right? I don't meet it by myself. I don't meet the requirement by myself. You don't meet the requirement. But if we come together and it's that collective impact, and that's so often what we don't talk about is the collective mm -hmm. impact. Yep. It's that I see a grant that doesn't fit me, but um, I have a good friend, Geneva uh, Vondenhurst, who runs Sting Inc. I know that it'll fit Geneva perfectly. Yeah. Why not share that with Geneva? Right. right? I, if it doesn't work for me, then it doesn't work for me. But if I know that it'll work for you, Heather, why wouldn't I tell Heather about right, it, right? Exactly. That's how we come together and work yeah. together, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the piece of it, right? We can do more as a nonprofit community if we really become a community yes. and work together and stop being kind of like crabs in a barrel, right? right? Yeah. It doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could be grants that we really need to partner on because I am strong in component A and you are strong in component B and someone else is strong in component C, right? And collectively on our own, we could have got 25,000, but together we can get 150,000. Right. Exactly. And so it's those pieces that we need to have those more of those conversations about of how do we work together, right? I um, agree. Because I think it also teaches at least for me, the girls that we serve, because I talk about we have other girlfriend-serving organizations, right? There are cool girls. There's girls on the run. There are so many girls' organizations out there, and those are all my sister organizations yep. because they are all doing amazing things to reach girls. We all do it slightly differently, but the goal is the absolute same. Yeah. It is to touch and empower 
um, to move our girls to another level, to expose. That is all our mission, right? So who am I to knock them, right? Right. Why? Right? Knocking them is knocking me. Exactly. We, I was right. having a conversation with someone last night and we were talking about fundraising and, and grant writing and it was, you know, people find these grants that, that don't apply to them and then they go and they try to create a program to get the grant and it's like, why create this half-assed program when somebody over there is doing it really well and could use the money to make it even better? And, and who has the time, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Has, Out of all right? the other things you're doing and you want to create another program just to get... $25,000. I, I can't do it. Exactly. I refuse, right? Exactly. I, I can't do mission. I don't do mission creep well, right? No. <laughs> I just don't do it well um, because I don't have time. You know, like for Girls Inc., we are sorry, we have programs going on in Clayton County, Atlanta Public Schools on the West End, and Cobb, Marietta. Um, we're looking at moving into DeKalb, right? This community, the Metro Atlanta, is so spread out, right? From our center to Clayton to the school is like an hour and 15, 20 minutes. I don't have time to do anything else, <laughs> you know, but right. that program. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time to make up, you know, a program to say, oh, I'm going to go. And, and then when you, and the thing about it is you make the program up and you make it up and you only get like $5,000. And then you have to put together this big program that costs way more than $5,000. And there's some great grants that come out there that I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, we don't do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> I can't make us do that, right? I don't have time. But, you know, we also, what we do, uh, what we are doing, and what Girls Inc. has traditionally done, because Girls Inc. is actually a national organization, okay. has a really unique history in the fact that there was a time when the boys' clubs and the girls' clubs were separate entities, Right. And in Cobb County, there was only a boys club of Cobb County. This is like back in the 70s. And there was a young lady. Her name was Debbie Randall in Marietta. And back in 1975, Debbie Randall, the only safe space for her to go after school was a laundromat. And so she would go to this laundromat every day until someone came home and she could go home. One day, uh, Debbie didn't come home. Um, They later found her body raped and murdered. Right. And so it was women of Cobb County who said we will create a safe space for our girls to go after school. And so it started off became becoming the girls club of Cobb County. And then in, let's say, the late 70s, early 80s, the boys clubs were like, hey, we'll take you girls. And we're like, yeah, we'll pass. Right. right. So <laughs> they became the girls and boys clubs and all the girls clubs became girls Inc. So if you've ever been a part of a girls club, you are an alum of Girls Inc., right? But, you know, a lot changes from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to 2000 to 2020, right? And so there was a program that Girls Inc. ran for years that was a pregnancy prevention program, right? And so that was kind of what Girls Inc. was known for pregnancy prevention. Yeah. Well, you know, times change. And so we went from pregnancy prevention to like, like girls empowerment, right? And you can never, girls empowerment never gets old. It never changes, right? right? But what changes is kind of the way and the scope that you deliver girls empowerment. So even for us in 2020, the way we we choose to deliver girls empowerment is really going to have more of a STEM and STEAM concept to it, right? We want to get our girls engaged in coding. We want to get our girls engaged in app design and virtual reality. And all. We, we want them to have those opportunities. And it's still girl empowerment, right? Oh, yeah. But it's just 
as we move with today's times with it, right? Giving the girls the new type of exposure that's out there in the world and preparing them to take on, you know, 2020 and 2025 and 2030, right? Preparing them for that world and for that scape, that landscape that we live in today. And so we know that that's going to be our kind of our focus of where we kind of move from pregnancy prevention to just to empowerment to kind of like STEM and STEAM. And then Lord only knows what we're going to do 20 years from now, right? What that will look like, right? But we, we look to see what is the world doing and what do our girls, how do we set our girls up for success with the world? But we don't do it by ourselves, right? Geneva and Sting, she does amazing things. So if we're getting the girls kind of prepared for the STEM, STEAM piece, right, and some other pieces, she's doing college readiness for them. For her, for her babies, she is, you know, taking them on college tours. She's getting parents prepared for financial aid. And then on top of that, you know, they got to do community service. So as she's doing these college tours, as they stop in different towns, they're doing community service projects in those communities. She's doing amazing work. And so we do a great piece in partnering together and we look to other organizations of partnering together, right? Because I would love to touch every child in Georgia, just not always possible, (laughs) right? So how do we use our resources? We're having a girlfriend's brunch. So the girlfriend's brunch is March the 28th, right? And so the girlfriend's brunch is to bring together women from all backgrounds, socioeconomic, ethnically, right, that we can talk as a, as, a, as a group of women, right? And the theme of it goes back to so many times we as women are the first, right? We are the first ones in our families to go to college and quote unquote make it, right? Or so many times we are the only, right? We're the only ones in a room um, full of men who don't look like us, who don't talk like us, right? Um, And so we're fighting for a seat at the table, right? Um, And so when we get the seat at the table, right, we're fighting to stay there. And it's the stresses, the struggles, um, the sacrifices, right, that you have given up, that you have dealt with to have that seat, right, to maintain, to make it. And so we want to talk about that. What did you sacrifice personally to get here, right? How did you fight to get here? You know, how did you even find out about the table, right? Now, some of us don't even know the table exists, right? (laughs) Right? And then when you get there, you're like, what is this? (laughs) Do I really want to be here? Um, And then what we want to talk about, what is the responsibility to open the next door for the next generation so they don't have the same struggles that you had getting here, right? that is a little clearer path, right? And how do you bring them along? And what is that responsibility and how does that look like? And so if you saw, and um, Oprah did when Black women owned the conversation, she did it here in Atlanta, right? And it was a panel type style and women were in the audience and they got to participate in the conversation. And so we want to talk about that. We want to involve the audience in the conversation. You want to give the panelists kind of experts to tell their stories and just share, right? To motivate each other. But our girls will also be next door in the next room having their own conversation, their own panel discussion, right? And their panel discussion kind of comes from college students who are talking to them about their struggles, right? College is wonderful, right? But college is hard. (laughs) And so preparing our girls for that. And so at this girlfriend's brunch, you have about 250 to 300 women and girls. We're going to invite our girlfriend serving organizations. We're going to invite cool girls. We're going to invite STEAM, right? Because we want those, are, those are our girlfriends and we want them to be at the table and we want their babies to be able to experience this conversation as well, right? And so this is during March, which is Women's History Month. Right. And during this time, this event, we would love to have all women sponsors, whether it is 
corporations that have women's groups or corporations that are led by women to come in and offer sponsorship, right? Because we want them to see that women, we can do this, right? We can do this. We can sponsor an event for women, by women, right? And support. There's a marketplace there that day that are all women businesses, women-owned businesses that are selling their wares, right? Or maybe your business doesn't lend itself to, you know, having a booth. So you can, every woman walks out with a girl's ink swag bag. And so you can have your business information put in a swag bag, right? But we just want to lift up women. We want to celebrate women, but we want to be honest about that. It wasn't easy getting here. It is not easy staying here. Right. <laughs> so what do we do and how can we support each other in, in making the journey a little less tedious, right? How can we encourage each other? And so that's what it's about. And that's what we want to teach our girls because so often when our girls see us on TV or in the media, we're messy, right? It's messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's real house of, housewives of Atlanta. It's messy. Right. We are so much more than that, right? We, we have our messy moments, but, but we don't live in mess. Right. And, and that's what I want to show our girls of how we don't live there. We don't stay there. And that it is our responsibility to lift each other up and to care for one another, regardless of what skin color. We all go through the same pieces. We've all had so much similar. There is more than what unites us than what separates us. Right. And so we have to start having those conversations with our girls at the table with us so that they see that, right? I, I saw what it was when my, when my mother and her sisters came together, right? We were sitting at their feet and I learned from them, right? I understood, right? And so, you know, we've got to allow them to see that because so often when our girls are sitting at their feet, they're seeing the mess. And I want to show them, I want to show them the grace. I want to show them the love. I want to show them the empowerment, right? That's what I want them to experience. So I'm excited about this Girlfriend's Brunch, um, March the 28th. It's coming, it's going to be at the Villa Christina um, in Parameter. But it's an exciting event, and it's the first time we've done this. But we really feel that, you know, we want to do something to celebrate Women's History Month. And having honest conversation with other women, that's, that's real. That's the way to that's do real. it. That's awesome. That is amazing. I wrote it down. I'm going to go look it up and see. You, see you, got, you got to come. Yes. That's what you said today. And we'll put it out there. It is so, I mean, I am so excited about it. It's like, it's like I have it all in my head. And my staff is like, now can you put it on paper? Right. <laughs> Yep. Got you. <laughs> yeah. So what is Girls Inc. struggling with today? What are you guys needing? What what is something that you guys are dealing with today? You know what what we are struggling with, right, is to bring and, and this is this is my transparent moment, right? When I came into Girls Inc., um, Girls Inc. was in a transition period where we had stopped telling our story. We had stopped telling the great things that we were doing. We had stopped interacting with our donors. We had stopped, we had just stopped for whatever reason, right? And so it was about being able to re-engage, right? So my first year was about, because we were financially, we were not in a great place. So my first year was about, okay, how do I get us back, find, how we steer this shit back in, 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 a, in the black, right? And that takes time. It doesn't just happen in a year, right? right? But I can say that, you know, by the end of my first year, we were better financially than where we were than when I came. So that was like, cool, right? But now it is the connection, right? The connection that opens the next door, right? And it's the connections that not only brings in financial support, but it brings in human resource support, Right. How do we, and when I say not just the one-offs, like I don't want to come and volunteer, you know, on Tuesday and then I never see you again. Right. 
we we want the long-term support because remember right our girls have enough people running in and out of their lives right we want businesses corporations people right who are willing to commit i'm going to commit to once a month i'm going to commit to once a month to working with you on projects even when it comes to the girlfriends since we're a small staff right and so you know the, the girlfriends brunch is huge in my head right but i need folks to help put it together right who who, who you know are like oh yeah we love that tiffany how can i help right and i'm like well great well can you rally some vendors can you it's really the basics right of, of how do we bring the connections in how do we engage more people and two girls into the mission of girls Inc. at one time in girl in, in girls inks heyday when um janet jackson street was the ceo we were serving five thousand girls a year wow right janet was an amazing people person and connecting the dots and engaging right and so that's really what i'm trying to get girls Inc. back to i want as many people to walk through our doors but not just walk through the doors right walk through the doors and be willing to roll up your sleeve right and and work with the girls but also work on the back end with us to say okay you need xyz great i have a friend of a friend <laughs> who can and i don't always need it for free discounted was greatly you know accepted right right but who can help us make the connections right we don't know all there is to know right but how do we bring people in that when i say hey um oh i got one for you heather is that I need some help because I want to make sure that, you know, our girls understand personal safety, right? And when they're out there in the community, when they're in our, is our center as safe as it can be, right? So being able to have, you know, your firm come in and say, okay, great. Here's the plan, Tiffany, right? And if, if there was a priority, here's the priority, right? And how do we get you to focus right here, right? It's that piece of it versus me guessing, huh, maybe I should put a security camera there, <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe I should put one there, right? But yeah. it's being able to bring in those experts who have the expertise to lend themselves and give us the knowledge and understanding that we need. Because again, I don't have to do it all. There are people out there who do every single thing of everything that we need. Right. And, and, and so learning, and that's the piece of it. So I need the engagement, right? That's that's probably one of the most pieces, the, the, one of the biggest pieces I would say. Because here's what I know, right? I know that if I can engage Heather and Zach, right? on one level and keep them coming back, I will end up engaging them on multiple levels and multiple, and their engagement with Girls Inc. will grow, right? Their commitment, their, their, their being there, their working with the girls, you getting to know the girls will grow. And that's what it's about, right? What is the engagement? And then that will open other doors for other opportunities. And that's what I'm looking for right now, is to tell the story of Girls Inc. to as many people who will listen and then see what's your expertise, right? You know, it's not just about what we need because sometimes we don't always know what we need. Until I hear that, oh, you do what? Oh, wow, my girls would love that, right? Yeah. And so it's that piece of it. But we, we have to have those conversations. We have to have those conversations with people to understand sometimes what we need or even sometimes understand what we don't need, what we thought we needed. And you realize, yeah, you, you don't need Right. Well, I'd love to have a conversation with you about maybe coming in and speaking about law enforcement officers and safety and, and all yes. that stuff, because I think it's a huge, that's what I did at the police department was bridge that gap between um, law enforcement and, and 
the community. So I'd love to be able to come in. See, and, and that's huge for our girls, especially because again, this media, right? Right. Sometimes what the media is setting, and we know that there are, um, there are sometimes there are bad things that happen, right? But sometimes we blow that up, and that's all that stays with our girls. Mm-hmm. So I want them to know that you know, Miss Heather. No, Miss Heather's a police officer. That she was a police officer. She did amazing things, and that you can become a police officer, right? And, and you can change the world and change your community as well, right? And that those inc- and those things that you see on TV, those aren't happening every day, right? That's not the norm, and we don't want that to become their norm, right? Um, and so we we recognize it and we acknowledge that they happen, right? But there are far greater police officers who are doing amazing things in the community than there are that aren't. Right. Yeah. And, and those are the stories that I always want to put before my girls. Right. I think we always have to balance it. <laughs> and, and I think that's what a part of our responsibility is, is to balance the story. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Speaking so of that's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of balance, how do you deal with the debate in your head that's mm-hmm. constantly going about let's do this in this program, but it may not benefit our girls? How do you handle that being the CEO and having to make those decisions? It's hard sometimes. It's hard because there are organizations, right? Sometimes other nonprofits and sometimes for-profit organizations, right? That are always saying, hey, I've got this great program. I've got this great piece. I've got this. I've got it, right? And your girls would love it, right? And I also, when I, when I look at balance, I look at it in terms of the girls, but I also look at it in terms of my staff, right? I have an awesome staff, hands down, but my staff is human and they get tired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, there are some days that they look at me like, if you give me one more thing, <laughs> right, we are going to revolt. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> so my balance comes in is that what can we legitimately take on, right? So we have our strategic plan. I go back to it. Does it align with our strategic plan, right? Um, how does it fit into our strategic plan, right? Is it something like that I'm going to have to take a, a square plug and, and plug it into a circular if it's not I was like okay it's too much work right and I'm not afraid of hard work I'm not afraid to work right but I have to look at ultimately my strategic plan sets my goals and our strategic plan is over three years right and if it is within our strategic plan right okay it's like okay so this is something that is within our strategic plan but still is it the right organization vendor to do it with right how much of it is us having to really work it Versus this organization bringing it to us and supporting us with it and working with us through it. Because some people will bring you stuff, right? Because they know that your girls ink and they want to put they want to put girls ink's name on it, right? And it, it works better for them than it does for you. So I'm looking at people's motives. Yeah. Is this real? <laughs> right? Do you really want to see our girls grow or are you gonna are you gonna reap more of the benefit than my girls are and my staff? Yeah. So it's a balance. There are days, Heather, that I get it right, and there are days I don't, right? And there's some days that, you know, I, I go into something with the best of intentions, and I get through it, and I'm just like, yeah, this ain't going to work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get, I'm, we're going to do a redo. I know I told you I would do this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we right. can't, right? I, I wish, because you don't always know everything until you get into it. You're like, yeah, you didn't tell me that at the beginning. <laughs> right. <laughs> I say that. And now you want me to do what? Yeah, I'm a pass. And, yeah. I, and, and that's what the piece of, I have no problem, right? Saying that I am human, right? I, I have the best of intentions, but I get it wrong sometimes, yeah. right? I get it wrong and I'm not afraid to tell you that. And I'm not also afraid to say, yeah, we're going to stop right here. 
we've put enough time into this. Yeah, we're going to move on to something else. Yeah. Right. And some people are just like, well, we, we said we we're going to do it. Yeah. Until I realized it wasn't going to work. <laughs> right. Exactly. And now that it's not going to work, there's no sense of moving forward with it. Right. I don't have to save face. Right. I don't mind having an egg on my face. I don't mind. Right. I don't mind. Right. I get because I'm human. I'm human as the CEO. There's a lot that comes at me and there's a lot of things that stick and there's some things that don't. Right. Um, and my, my prayer every day is, Lord, let me do a better job tomorrow than what I did today. Right. Let me get it right tomorrow. Right. Open my ears, open my eyes. Let me see. Give me discernment, Lord. You know, let me sometimes it's not so much what's said it's what not what, what isn't said. And let me hear what isn't said. Right. To know whether to move in this direction or not. And I have to know how hard I can push my staff. Right. And there's some moments when I know that my staff will go 200 percent and there's sometimes i'm like my staff are not gonna go for this right i i can mandate it as the ceo and they will do it and they will do it haphazardly right, right. and i never want that right and so i'm also big on buy-in right i just don't solely make the decision i take it to the staff right because ultimately they're the ones that are gonna have to implement it let's just be honest about it right, right? <laughs> i as a ceo get to hear this great idea right you, you always want to talk to the CEO. Yes, I want to talk to your CEO. But what people don't know, uh-uh, if my staff doesn't go for it, <laughs> it's a dead issue. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I bring it to my staff and we talk through it. What are the pros? What are the cons of it? How do we make it work, right? And there are times when my staff is like, I don't know, Miss Tiffany. I'm like, what if I threw in this resource? Because you see it work. You're like, well, yeah, right? And they're just sometimes they're just like, you know, I believe in plugging holes. Like, let, let's plug holes through this, you know, let's because I'd rather do it now on the front end than get halfway through it and realize we spent how much time and this ain't gonna work. Yeah. So it's and money. important and that, the you know, as the world money is everything. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? It, and, and it's like, you know, and not only is the money everything, the time mm -hmm. is everything. Because if I spend, you know, six months chasing down a lead that I could have, that that's not going to work. I could have spent that time doing something else and getting some other benefits from it. So for me as a leader, it is really important to engage my staff, right? And to know that without them, I'm nothing, right? I'm not so high and mighty to believe that, oh, Tiffany knows it all. She's the CEO. The CEO is a title, right? Because there are days when I need to be janitor. There are days when I need to be security guard, right? There are days when I need to be, I'm going to tow your car if you don't move it. Um, they're, they're, so I wear different hats and I'm who I need to be on whatever day I need to be it. There are days that you feel like I'm everything in one day, right? You, right. you go over to a meeting, you're the CEO and you come back and you are the, the, the plunging, you know, you're plunging the toilet, right? <laughs> That's life, right? That's the life of nonprofit. And I feel like if you're not a leader who can understand that, Nonprofit doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> right. It's not, right? But I've always had that mentality. Um, and I love it though, right? Because I feel like it keeps me engaged and in tune with why I'm really here, right? I'm not here just to be able to sit in my office and say, I'm the CEO. No, right? right? I'm here to engage. I'm here to do whatever it takes to get it done, right? Yeah. I'm here. And that's, and that's what it's about, right? So it's a balance. I don't always get it right. Um, but it makes me feel better when I'm not afraid to make the decision because sometimes you just have to make the decision right or wrong. I got to make the decision and I do. Um, but at the same time, when I have the opportunity to engage others in my decision, especially when it's going to affect them, you know, it's a better decision made. 
Definitely. Definitely. All right. Wrapping up, we have three questions that we ask all of our um, people that come on the show. So the first one is if new you could talk to old you, what is one thing that I would say? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, not that one. (laughs) Okay. If new you could talk to old you, it would, new you would tell old you that you got it. You got it right? Trust yourself. You got it. You got it. Don't worry about what other people think, right? Don't worry about always trying to impress someone else. Everything that you need is in you, right? It's been in you from the beginning, right? Trust it. Trust the process. You got it. Just walk in it. Walk in it and trust it. What is something that you could recommend to our listeners going through a tough time, whether it's something that you've used or that your girls have used, books, podcasts, quotes, anything, people? You know, um, I am really a, 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 a faith-filled person, right? And, and, and I know that I could not, I would not be anywhere, right, if it weren't for my faith and my belief and I was raised in the church. But um, I would say find it. it I just believe, right, that you have to believe in something higher than yourself, right? And and my higher is God and Jesus Christ. And so whether yours is Jehovah or who, believe and trust in something higher than you, right? And, and at those times when you're going through and you're at your lowest, you always need something to look up to. And for me, that's where my faith comes in, right? You know, uh, I my quote for me is that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me all things right because it's not it's not my strength right he's giving me the strength so i believe if you're going through something you know find a higher power whatever your higher power may be but believe and know and trust in something higher than yourself and become grounded in that a lot of our um interviewees have said that exact thing of just believe in something bigger than yourself yep so that's yep. that's awesome i think it really drives home that point um, and then finally, how can our listeners reach you if they need to, if they wanted to reach out to you? So let me tell you, so you can always contact me through Girls Inc., right? But I don't have a problem giving out my cell phone number, right? And I'll probably kick myself. But here's the piece, right? <laughs> right? Someone did it for me, right? And I believe I have a responsibility to do it for someone. And I'm, open, I'm transparent, right? If I can do it, I can't. I'm great. If I can't, I can't. And if I can connect you to the first person, the next person who can't, I will. So I start with my email address. My email address is tcollybailey at girlsinc at atl.org. I'll spell that. It is T-C-O-L-L-I-E-B-A-I-L-E-Y at girls, G-I-R-L-S-I-N-C-A-T-L dot O-R-G. Okay. My cell phone number is 937-602-4492. If I can be of service, right? If I can offer a word of support, if I can make the next connection for you or connect you to Girls Inc., I am more than happy to do that. Visit our website if you want to learn more about Girls Inc. And that website is www.girlsincatl.org. We just rebranded it and launched it in November the 1st. And it's an amazing website and it gives you a lot of great information. Yeah. I'll go one step further. My office number is 678-686-1740 and my extension is 227. I'm always, you know, you know, 
I, I, I'm just Tiffany, right? I'm just Tiffany who happens to have a great job at Girl Sing. But at the end of the day, I'm Tiffany, right? I started off as Tiffany and I'll die Tiffany. <laughs> um, and that's all it is to it, right? There's no fanfare here. Um, full transparency. I have made mistakes, but I've had great successes too, right? And I take it all in stride. Definitely. Tiffany, thank you for sharing your successes and your struggles and giving us a little dive into the nonprofit world with your expertise. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O thriving ATL, or online at 2thriving.org.